0: Welcome to the Monument Hunts Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Kimenoff. Have you ever been hunting for information when planning a trip, but didn't really feel like you had an insider's perspective on what to do and where to go? Well, I certainly have had that feeling. I love my home state of Nebraska and outdoor recreation, and when I can combine those two things together, I reach a stage of peacefulness that is unmatched. On top of that, it brings me a lot of joy when I get to share stories and give tips to folks looking to come experience Nebraska's outdoor recreation opportunities. Through this podcast, our discussions will cover topics of hunting, fishing, camping, and general outdoor recreation throughout all of Nebraska. Please sit back and enjoy today's discussion. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Monument Hunts podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. I'm your host, Josh Kimenaw. We've officially reached false spring here in Nebraska. Are you scratching your head trying to figure out what on earth false spring is? Well, let me explain it. It's that time of late winter where it warms up into the 60s and the 70s, giving us beautiful weather right before it goes back into the 30s and 40s with maybe a snowstorm or two to boot. It gives us that false sense of spring has arrived, and then Mother Nature turns around kicks us in the butt and takes it away and lets us know that guess what we're still in winter so don't get too excited and start planting that garden or those flower beds just yet the weather is bound to take a turn and potentially ruin that garden or flowers if it's in the ground but it's also that time of year when all of the migrating birds start to make their way back north some of the birds are coming back from literally across the gulf of mexico where others never left the North American continent, but spent their time down along the Gulf Coast. These birds make their way north, some of them finding refuge in the prairie pothole region of the Dakotas in southern Canada, while others continue north and spread out across the subarctic. Some of them even cross Alaska and the Bering Strait, looking for suitable habitat in Siberia. This migration is marked by thousands of miles covered in a relatively short time frame, usually just a couple of months. Hunting pressure is almost completely eliminated, and most of the birds find the vital resources they need during this migration that are going to sustain them for an important journey to their breeding grounds. And Nebraska has always been an important location along that migration corridor. For many folks, they get to witness the migration of snow geese and Canada geese and all kinds of duck species throughout the entire United States. And these migrations are extremely significant in the spring because there are hundreds of thousands of birds that are moving from south to north. But as part of the central Nebraska region, it is extremely unique for one particular migration. And this migration literally draws thousands, tens of thousands of people every single year. Some people will even travel from clear around the world to witness this migration. What is the migration I'm talking about? It's the Sandhill Crane Migration. It's also the Whooping Crane Migration. We'll get to those in just a minute. For many folks, this time of year, they make the annual trip to do the bird watching. Tens of thousands of people make the trip to south central Nebraska specifically just to view this crane migration. And many of them have hopes of seeing the whooping crane while they're there as well. With over 80% of the Sandhill Cranes migrating through Nebraska, these tourists spend thousands of dollars boosting local economy and bringing awareness to an important part of nature. Growing up in this area, this time of year was probably one of the most frustrating for a local resident i lived in the heart of sand hill migration country and during the migration we would have people stopped on county roads even in town where we lived there would people be stopped in the middle of the roads just to view the cranes and of course that meant we had to try and find a way around that crowd so that we could continue driving to wherever we were going. Now, I mentioned that some people would even stop in the middle of town. Well, not quite the middle of town, but definitely on the edge of town. Where I grew up, we lived on the north edge of town, and literally across the street from where I was raised, there was a big open field. And every year, the sandhill cranes would land in that field. And of course, they would have their display of courtship or they would be feeding or whatever. So I literally got to experience the sandhill cranes from feet, probably less than 30 yards away. And while they're an extremely interesting bird, growing up, dealing with the people who were there, witnessing this migration, but doing so in such a way that they would either block roads or they would just create inconveniences for everybody that was local. As a result of this, a lot of folks would get frustrated and not like the sandhill cranes, when in reality it was the inconsiderate tourists that were the reason for the quote-unquote hatred of the bird. It wasn't the bird's fault, it was inconsiderate human beings' fault. But because this was a normal cycle of every single season growing up in that area, I failed to see the significance of what that migration meant. Of course, that failure was not because nobody was trying to impress upon us what it meant. In fact, there was no lack for trying. We were always taught about the cranes, and we even took a field trip. To go see the cranes. And when I say field trip, I'm going to use air quotes because when we could have walked out of the school and walked two blocks south to the edge of town, we could have observed a bunch of cranes in the cut corn or cut soybean field, whatever they were happening to have planted the year prior, right there in the field. So to take a field trip, which we did, we got on the bus and went out and looked at the birds, is a bit of a a stretch to call it a field trip. But growing up, they tried to impress upon us some of the significance of what this migration really was. However, it was just not impressive to us because it was part of our everyday, normal springtime routine. Literally every year, at about the same time, hundreds of thousands of cranes would start to flock into the area, which meant... Tens of thousands of tourists were starting to flock into the area as well. Well, as I moved away, I eventually became someone who appreciated the Sandhill Crane migration. Sandhill Cranes, or as I affectionately call them, the Gray Flamingo, have stopped over on the Platte River in Nebraska for longer than is fathomable by most individuals. This shallow braided river system provides cranes a safe place to roost during the night while the adjacent ag fields provide food from the waste grain left there and a space for them to courtship. During this stopover time, the cranes will gain upwards of 10% of their body weight so that they can continue to make their flight north to the breeding grounds. Thankfully, the expansion of humans to the western part of this country has done only minimal effect to the crane migration, as there is still a strong breeding population of over 650,000 sandhill cranes. Not all 650 fly through Nebraska, but nearly 500,000 of those birds come through in a very short window of time. As I mentioned earlier, there's another crane that some hope to see a glimpse of while they're out along the platte river as well the whooping crane a white bird of approximately five feet high is a rare sight for most individuals there are only two to three hundred of these birds that still exist and come through the nebraska flyway growing up we had ample opportunity to see the whooping crane and we did so on many occasions but most folks during that time would have to get information from other people who may have seen it, which could be hours, days, maybe even weeks old, depending on, you know, when they got their information. So it was an extremely rare chance to see this bird. Well, with the advent of smartphones and social media, this is a much easier opportunity. But again, there are so few birds that it is still extremely rare to see a whooping crane. As I mentioned earlier, I was not somebody who appreciated the crane migration. Honestly, I didn't like the cranes for most of my life. And it wasn't that the cranes were the ones that I really didn't like, it was the frustration of inconsiderate tourists. However, Many years after I moved away from the area and started living in eastern Nebraska, I came to realize how spectacular the crane migration really is. The fact that nearly 80% or over 80% I should say of one single bird population flies through a space of about 70-80 miles wide is pretty spectacular. And the fact that the human population hasn't really even done that much to the migration is even more spectacular. I mean, we completely wiped out the bison in North America for the most part and destroyed what was the greatest migration on this continent. So the fact that the Sandhill Crane migration is still what it is to this day is nothing short of spectacular. In the past few years, I've had the opportunity to show and share these gray flamingos with my supervisor. Being from northern Arkansas, this migration is something he had not experienced, and I was happy to share it with him during some time together in central Nebraska. Now that our daughters are old enough, I would like to take them out there and help them experience what the crane migration is. Being that I don't live there, and obviously they don't, because they live with me, they don't get to experience the crane migration like I did growing up. So I hope that now that they're of age, we can impress upon them what a spectacular event it is, and share that with them so that they can learn to enjoy one of nature's most spectacular events. So... Whether you get to experience the crane migration on a daily basis during the spring every single year or you're an infrequent tourist of the migration, you should be aware that you're witnessing one of the last great migrations on this planet. Like I mentioned before, we as human beings wiped out the bison migration by wiping out the bison in North America and we've affected many other migrations across this entire planet. The Sandhill Crane Migration is one of the few that we have left, so we should enjoy what we've got. As humans, we continue to impact this land and water, and these migrations may soon become a thing of the past, and only something that our children or our children's, children's children may get to read about in science books. That's about all I've got for this week's episode regarding the crane migration. What I would impress upon you is if you have an opportunity, get out there, enjoy what Mother Nature has, and share it with a friend. Invite somebody who may have never experienced it, or invite somebody who has experienced it, but share it through a new lens for them. Thank you for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so that you'll receive notifications of new content as it's released. And if you have questions, as always, you can reach out to me on the Monument Hunts Facebook page, on Instagram at monument underscore hunts, or via email at monument.hunts at gmail.com. Please send any questions or comments that you've got. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, stay safe out there.